Today is Palm Sunday. It's a Sunday when we recognize the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. And on this Palm Sunday, I want to talk to you about truths that we find in Palm Sunday. Last week, we, we looked at 1 John. We looked at verse, uh, or chapter 4, verse 6 in 1 John that says, We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know, that the, the, we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So we talked last week about the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. The spirit of error, we encounter that everywhere in our world today. Error that doesn't line up with the spirit of God and his truth. And so when we, when we study on a Sunday morning, we want to go to the word of God because the word of God is truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The Holy Spirit is truth, the spirit of truth. So we come to truth today, and I want to look at three specific things that have to do with Palm Sunday and the truth that it brings to us. So look at John chapter 12 with me today. Now the triumphal entry is recorded in all of the Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But today I want to look at John's picture that he gives us of the triumphal entry. Because there's two Old Testament prophecies that are quoted in the book of John, and I want to see the truth that's contained in them. First of all, it's important that we recognize that these Old Testament verses were messianic prophecies of the Messiah. So when they are quoted in this passage, the people were acknowledging they believed Jesus to be the Messiah. So don't doubt that. And we're we're going to look at several other aspects of this passage. But look at verse 12. Let's read it together. The next day, a great multitude that had come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and cried out. Here's the first quote from the Old Testament. Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Then Jesus, when he had found a young donkey, set on it as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. John's rendition is very short in the, of, of this account, but I want us to see the powerful truths that are contained here. These Old Testament prophecies are important. And the first truth I want us to see is in verse 13. Let's look at that again. They took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and cried out, Hosanna! How many have ever heard that word before? It's transliterated from the Greek, or from the original Hebrew to the Greek. And the idea there is save us. That's what it means. Save us. Hosanna. The first part of that word, Hosan, means save, and the N-A at the end means now. Save now. Save us. I love that. 
Because, church, there are times when we need to do nothing else but to cry out to God and say, Help! <laughs> Lord, I want you to intervene in my situation right now. Not tomorrow, not next week, not next month, not next year. Lord, I want salvation of the Lord right now in my situation. Have you ever felt that way? Amen. We ought to feel that way concerning our nation. Amen. Lord, we need you to do something now. Lord, we're headed down the wrong path. We're headed down an ungodly path in our nation. We need things to turn around. So, Lord, we cry out, Hosanna! Save us now! (laughs) By this time... When they gathered together, the phrase Hosanna had also taken on another meaning. It was simply a a way of of shouting praise. They were acknowledging that God does save. That He does come when we call upon Him. And they took the palm branches and they were waving them. The palm branches were a symbol of Israel. But they were also a symbol of victory. They were waving the palm branches saying, this is the king who's going to bring us victory. Amen. He's still that king. At this time, it was the feast of Passover. They'd gathered together. And in this time, Josephus writes, and he was a historian for the Romans. But he, he wrote this. He said, At this time, there would be as many as 2.7 million people gathered together in Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem at that time only held about 100,000 people that actually lived there. So it would have been wall-to-wall people. We don't know how many exactly. Josephus may have been exaggerating a little. We don't know, but he was writing it down as history. So there there were probably at least a million people there. So it was packed, and the people that were coming to hear Jesus were the people most likely that had heard him speak. His word had touched their hearts, and they were the people that had seen the miracles, the signs, and the wonders, that had seen and experienced the glory of God, and they were recognizing, this is the Messiah. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen. And they, were, they weren't ashamed of it. And they were shouting with praise. And the idea of laying down their, their cloaks in front of him was a sign of total surrender. They were saying, I desire the rule of the kingdom of God. Amen. And today, as we celebrate, I hope that's your prayer. Lord, I lay down my life to you. I desire, Lord, your rule in my life. Now they were quoting in this passage two places from the Old Testament. The first one is Psalm 118 and verse 25. It says, Save now, I pray, O Lord, O Lord, I pray, send now prosperity. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And that is a messianic passage. So they were acknowledging Jesus was the promised Messiah. And there's something else that we need to see. There's a pattern in the lives of Israel 
that we encounter in our own lives a lot of times. We see this in the Psalms. We see it through the history of the Old Testament, how that the Jewish people would get into a really difficult place, a situation they were being attacked or other things were going on, and they would cry out to God, just like this psalm that we read. Hosanna, Lord, save us now. Lord, enter into this situation right now. And God would come, and God would deliver them. And guess what? Before too long, they became lukewarm. They, they turned against God. They rebelled against God, or they just kind of forgot about him. And the next thing you know, they're in trouble again. And we see that many times, but I want us to look at a passage that points this out in Psalms. Psalm 107 gives us a, a picture of this diagram. I want us to look at 107 verse 4, and we're going to look at several passages if you want to turn to this psalm. Beginning with verse 4, it says, They wandered in the wilderness in a desert, in a desolate way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them out of their distress. Amen. Aren't you thankful we serve a God who shows up when we say, Hosanna, when we say, Lord, come into this situation? And He delivered them. He delivered them. So the Israel gets into trouble, but they have enough sense to cry out to the Lord, and God shows up and delivers them from their trouble. But then God says what his desire is from the people. Look at verse 8 in Psalm 107. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works in the children of men. God's heart desires that we're thankful and we recognize His goodness. Not just when He comes and we're in a difficult situation, but no matter what we're going through, we recognize God's faithful. He's there. He cares about us. Amen? He cares. He intervenes. He brings deliverance. So we should be praising God and giving Him glory no matter what we face, no matter what the situation. Sometimes that's difficult to do, isn't it? Israel, what happened to them? Look at verse 11 in, in Psalm 107 now. Because they rebelled against the words of God. Okay, God delivered them. He wants them to show a thankfulness and acknowledge His goodness. What do they do? They rebel. They rebelled against the words of God and despised the counsel of the Most High. In other words, they didn't want to do things God's way. They wanted to do it their way. Sounds like an old Sinatra song. I did it my way. Verse 12 says, Therefore he brought down their heart with labor. They fell down. There was none to help. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. And he saved them out of their distress. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and broke their chains in pieces. That was the word that Mary gave this morning. Amen. God breaks the chains that hold us back in life. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and broke their chains in pieces. Now look at 15. 
Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. So God delivers them again. They rebelled against Him. They did their own thing, did it their way. They end up in trouble again. And I'm not saying that we end up in trouble always because we're rebelling against God. How many of you have ever ended up in trouble just because you made a dumb mistake? Yeah, we're not perfect. We're not almighty. We don't have all knowledge. Sometimes, guess what? We do dumb things. And it ends up getting us in trouble. So it's not necessarily that we're rebelling against God, but when we do end up trouble, whether if we do rebel against God, if we do rebel against His Word, I guarantee you definitely you're going to end up in trouble. But sometimes we just end up in trouble because we make a bad choice, a difficult situation, and we choose wrong instead of letting God direct us and guide us. So look at verse 18. Their soul abhorred all manner of food, and they drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. There it is again. And he saved them out of their distress. That's the third time in this passage. It's, it's a cycle. He sent his word and healed them. This is a side note. If you're struggling physically, listen to God's word. Put it on the CD or on tape or read it. There's healing in God's Word. And delivered them from their destructions. Then look at verse 21. Oh, that man would give thanks to the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of Israel. Do you see a cycle there? <laughs> look at verse 26. They mount up to the heavens. They go down against the depths. Their soul melts because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wit's end. How many did you know that that came from the Bible? Have you ever been there? <laughs> I'm at my wit's end. Then they cry out to the Lord in their trouble and He brings them out of their distress. He calms the storm so that its waves are still. Then notice once again in verse 31. Oh, that man would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them exalt him also in the assembly of the people and praise him in the company of the elders. Church, God's desire is that we're thankful all the time. That we recognize his goodness all the time. That we never wake up in one day and say, Lord, I, I, I don't think you're good today. Because God's always good. He's good all the time. He was trying to get this message across to the people that even when difficult trouble came, and we usually experience difficulty and trouble because of our own choices, but when we end up there, church, it's okay to shout, Hosanna! Lord, save me right now! Amen? I've been there. I've done that. I've been in situations that were difficult. Situations where I, don't, I didn't want to experience that one more minute, one more second. And Lord, I'm crying out to Him, God, save me now! 
And guess what? God doesn't tell them not to do that. But he says, my desire is that you realize that I am good, and it's not just when I deliver you out of your trouble. I am good every moment of every day, every second. I love you. I care for you. And you need to thank me. You need to exalt my name. Amen. So church, most of us have struggled with this this past year. How many have got a little grumpy during the pandemic? I'll be the first to say I got really grumpy. I didn't like this. From the beginning, I was really upset. I couldn't have anybody here on Sunday. It was just me and the camera guy. And I love the camera guys, but that wasn't enough for me. (laughs) And, and, And I had to catch myself, Lord, you're still good. You're still good. You're still God. Lord, I'm going to call on you. I'm going to cry out Hosanna to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords because you come and bring deliverance to your children. And I don't know where you are today, but I want to tell you, church, it's always okay to cry out Hosanna. Hosanna to our King. Lord, come into our situation. And church, we need to be crying Hosanna on behalf of our nation every day. Amen. Lord, we cry Hosanna over our nation. Lord, save our nation. Turn it back to Jesus. So I want to challenge you today. When difficult times come, you may have just lost your job this week. You may have lost a loved one that went to be with the Lord this week. I had a call from a dear friend and She was on the way to see her father and he was on hospice and they didn't give him but a few short days to live, if that. Even in those times, I can remember three years ago, this April, my dad passed away and I was in Texas and I was sitting by his bedside. And at that time, he couldn't talk any longer. He he was just kind of comatose, laying in bed. And I knew it wasn't going to be long. But I put on some gospel music, the kind he loved, and it was going, filling the room with praise and worship to the Lord. And I'd come and I'd hug him and give him a kiss, tell him that I loved him. And in the wee hours that night, I'd have to get up and give him some medicine so that he wouldn't be in any pain. And at the same time, I was praying and asking God. I said, Lord, I know you're a miracle-working Savior. And I know that you can raise him up. And Lord, that's my prayer. That you would raise him up. But Lord, if it's his time to go to be with you, then Lord, I pray that you'd make it quick and that he wouldn't suffer. And the next morning, he was gone. And one of the most difficult things I've ever had to do was to preach my father's funeral. But 
church, I want to tell you, he's still good all the time. He was good that night. He was good to my father. He was good to me. He was good at the funeral service. Through whatever you go through today, God is still good. And He's worthy of our thanks and our praise all the time. Our lips should always be filled with praise and our heart filled with thanks. So the first thing I want you to know is a truth in the Word of God is that you can always cry out to Him. He'll never leave you and never forsake you. You can cry out, Hosanna, Lord, save me right now from this situation. The second truth I want us to see is in verse 14 of John chapter 12. Then Jesus, when he had found a young donkey, set on it as it was written. Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. The second thing I want us to see is fear not. Everybody say, fear not. (laughs) We've heard a lot about this, but church, I still encounter people, even Christians that are living in fear. God is greater than a pandemic. My attitude going into this and has been through all of it. I have lost people, friends that, that have gone to be with the Lord in this pandemic And I grieve and I miss them. But church, God is still good. And I still give Him thanks. And through it all, my attitude is, Lord, I'm not going to live in fear. Lord, if it's my time to go to be with you, then I want to be with you. So that's my my heart. I'm not going to give in to fear. And church, in these last days, I want to warn you, there are greater things than this pandemic that we're headed into. And I don't say that to bring fear. I say that because God's Word tells us that. We can be prepared for it. And in the midst of it all, we can still give Him praise and thanksgiving and shout, My God is good. Now fear not, fear not is written in the imperative sense. That means it's a positive command. And it's, it's the most frequently given command in Scripture. Over a hundred times it says either fear not or or be not afraid. But if you take all the expressions of of God telling us in His Word not to be afraid, there's 365, one for every day. (laughs) Are you thankful for that? God tells us not to be afraid. He tells us to just trust in Him. In fact, in the, in, the, in the first book in Scripture, in the book of Genesis, it says do not be afraid three different times. In the very beginning, do not be afraid. From the beginning through the end, God says you can trust in me. It's all going to fold out like I planned it, and you are just along for the ride. Just let me take care of you. Let me guide you. Let me direct you. So the Lord tells us from the very beginning to just trust in Him. And church, I want you to think about this. We have the greatest opportunity right now that we have probably ever had in our lifetimes as far as winning the lost. Because there are people 
that don't know the Lord, that don't have the peace that surpasses all understanding, that are trembling in fear at what's taking place. Yesterday I was visiting a, a couple, a family that had moved up north from down south. And they, they looked at me, they asked me to come see them, and I went to see them. And, and one of the things the, the father said, he said, Pastor, you wouldn't believe how bad it's getting in the lower 48. And, and he said, I don't like the snow. <laughs> he, he was 81, I believe he said. He said, I don't like all this snow, but I don't like what's going on down south. Church, we don't know What's going to happen? But the Bible gives us some indication. But church, it is an awesome time to let the peace of God that rules your heart and your life be known and be seen to others. It's an awesome opportunity for us to say, hey, would you come to church with me? And, and, and I want you to know I've got peace in all this. I'm not afraid of the storms of life because God speaks peace to those storms. Amen? One of the things uh, that God's Word tells us in talking about the last days, there's several things. I'm just going to mention the first verse. It's in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1-5. through 5. Paul's writing to Timothy and he says, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. How many want to say, Oh joy. Now the word perilous there in the original Greek means this. It means violent, fierce, wild, savage, harsh, and dangerous. And you say, well, thanks, Pastor. That's really encouraging. Oh, joy, let's do our happy dance. But Paul didn't end it, that letter there. And sometimes we stop right there. It has a whole list of things that people are going to be selfish and unloving and unkind and uh, cruel and all these different things that people are going to be. And, and we get caught up in that. And God's just preparing us. But look what Paul tells Timothy in the very next chapter of that same letter. Listen to what he says in, verse, in chapter 4, verse 17. He says, But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that the message might be preached fully through me and that all the Gentiles might hear. He's saying, in these last days, perilous times are coming, but I've already, he'd already experienced persecution. Amen? And he said, the Lord stood with me. The Lord strengthened me. The Lord enabled me to preach the love of Jesus. He will give us what we need in these last days. Look what else he says. He goes on and he says, Also, I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Church, we're not living in fear. We're living in the in the grace of God, in the power of God. He is all that we need for the last days. Amen? He, so when God's Word says perilous times are coming, He's just informing us, but then He also tells us through Paul right there, He is going to be right there with us. He's our strength. We're going to go forward and share the love and the life of Jesus. Amen? I like that. 
The third truth I want to bring to you today. John chapter 12 verse 15. Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. Sitting on a donkey's colt. Now this one's almost amusing. Now the the Old Testament verse that they're quoting is Zechariah chapter 9 verse 9. And where it says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. This is over probably a thousand years before this happened. At least 700. God's word is prophesying and Jesus fulfills the prophecy. Now what's interesting is that in this time, a king would always approach a city and come into the city on a war horse. Now being from Texas, when I was growing up a little boy, we had horses. I had a horse called Big Red. And he was tall. He was, he was tall. My dad was six foot four, and my dad could ride him. He was a big horse. And we also had this little pony that was real ornery, that would buck you off in the, in the thorns. He didn't want anybody riding him. But a king would come in, and a king would be riding the tallest horse. They measure horses with a measurement called a hand. And it's, it's four inches. And so they would measure from the ground up to its withers, which is on the back, and they would, estimate, they would get a, a measurement of, the, of how tall a horse is. And, and, and for a, a leader in the military, his horse would always be taller than all the other men that were fighting, if they had horses. And the king's horse would always be two to three hands taller than even the general's horse. So it was customary for a king to come in the tallest horse, a mighty, gorgeous, beautiful war horse. But Jesus didn't do that. He came in on the foal of a donkey. It wasn't even the donkey, it was the donkey's foal. Now I don't know if you've ever been to a rodeo, but have you ever seen a rodeo clown riding a donkey? And his feet are almost touching the ground. And I'm not trying to belittle Jesus riding the colt, but it was that's what it looked. It was more like a rodeo clown than it was a king. Why? Because the people were expecting him to come right then, right there, and bring deliverance and establish his kingdom and deal with the Roman oppression. But Jesus didn't come for the short term. He came for the eternal fix. (laughs) Amen. So Jesus was coming lowly, humbly, not as a king, but as a suffering servant to go to the cross and to die for us. And sometimes, church, we're we're just like these 
people in the crowd. We've seen and heard about Jesus. We've experienced it. We, we believe Jesus is going to come, and he's going to come right now into my situation, and it's going to be just like I think it should be. And sometimes his ways are always higher than our ways, and he comes and his ways don't line up with what we're expecting. That's what happened to them. But church, I want you to know, he came as the humble, suffering servant. He was rejected. So he ends up leaving Jerusalem. But he comes back, he goes to the cross, he's arrested. He dies for our sins. And on the third day, he rose again. And church, there's another passage in Revelation that gives us a glimpse of Jesus coming as king. How many want me to read that passage? Two people, okay. Revelation 19, verse 11, listen to this. Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. This isn't little, a little foal of a donkey. Now he's on the king's horse. And he, and he who sat on him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations." And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Jesus didn't come into Jerusalem the way they thought he would. But church, he is going to come back that way. Amen. So every day is a good day. Every day we should be thankful. Every day we should be anticipating. Right now, if you're in a situation and you need God to intervene, cry out, Hosanna, Lord, save now. Come into my situation. But Lord, I'm going to be thankful. I'm going to acknowledge your goodness, your grace, your mercy. Lord, come into my, my situation now and just manifest your, your goodness. It may not be what I'm expecting. You may come into my situation and do something and work in a way that's different than what I think. But Lord, I know that you're going to be with me. I know that you're going to be my strength. You're going to be right there with me. I'm not going to live in fear in these last days because I know one day the heavens are going to break open and Jesus is going to return on that white horse as king. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm, I'm ready for that day. I'll tell you, every day that goes by, I'm more anticipating Lord, come get us. Amen. But he's going to leave us here because we've got a job to do. And until we've completed that job, he's going to leave you here. And church, 
Easter is an awesome time to invite somebody to church. And I just want to challenge you, invite somebody to church. I'd love to see this church filled. Years ago when Pastor Riley was here, this church would be filled. Filled with people. And I believe that God intends for our church to be filled with people again. Amen. Dr. Don came in to me this week and he said, Pastor Mild, he said, I've been working on a little pamphlet about fear and I want to print them up and I want to have them stationed because people are going to be coming in and they're going to be living in fear and I want to give them a teaching on fear. And he said, I believe that we're about to experience just an explosion of growth in this place. Pastor Harry came in a couple of days later And I was sharing with him, and Pastor Harry said, I believe the same thing. I believe God's bringing people in. I believe that he's bringing people in that aren't ashamed of the gospel of Christ. He's bringing people in that want to encounter Jesus for the first time. He's bringing people in that need healing and need deliverance. And God's going to build his church. Amen. And I'm believing God's bringing people in that don't want their ears tickled. Yesterday, the gentleman I told you about earlier, he's 81, he said, he said, I like the way you preach. He said, you give it to us straight. He said, I don't want you tickling my ears. And church, there are still people that aren't wanting to hear a milk toast message about what's going to take place. They're wanting the truth of the Word of God to prepare our families and our lives for what's going to take place and that Jesus is coming. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen. Let's stand up. Mitch, I want you to come with the worship team. As the the worship team comes, I'm going to invite our Our prayer team, I love our prayer team. They love to pray for people. They love God, and they want to pray with you. Some of them will be at the front. Some of them will be at the back. But our prayer team wants to pray with you. God's Word tells us to pray one for another that we may be healed. I have a feeling that there are people here today that you're in one of those situations when you need to say, Hosanna, Lord, save me now. Lord, come into my situation right now. So whatever your situation is today, I want to give you that opportunity. Maybe you want to come and intercede for a friend. But God welcomes us to come say Hosanna Hosanna to the King save us now some of you may want to come and just pray for our nation pray for our community pray for loved ones that don't know the Lord But whatever your need is we're going to take just a moment as we close and we're going to pray with you if you want prayer today And if you don't have a need of prayer today 
I want you to join the worship team and I want you to just begin to tell God how good He is and show Him your thanks today for all that He's done for you. Will you do that with me today? Mitch, would you lead us?